welcome to another episode of The Nonprofit Show. We are thrilled to have you back here today for Nonprofit Power Week. So this is our third day of the Power Week and really glad to have with us today Muhi Kwaja. And he's here as the Fundraising Academy trainer. He's got all kinds of other accolades behind him, years of experience, so many good stories to share. Um, but again, talking to us about the Fundraising Academy cause selling model. In particular, we're diving deep, phase two, steps five and six. So previously this week, we've heard from uh, Mohi's colleague, Tony Bell, who's been fa- you know fantastic with sharing some of the previous cycles with us, uh, our steps, I should say, within that cycle. So really glad to have, have all of this information for us. We also want to remind you, we haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet. Mm-hmm. Julia Patrick, you're here, CEO, American Nonprofit Academy. So honored to be here alongside you. I'm Jarrett Ransom, your nonprofit nerd, CEO of the Raven Group. And again, we are so extremely honored day in and day out to produce these episodes with thought leaders like Muhi. We wouldn't be able to do this or even produce the Nonprofit Power Week if it weren't for our amazing presenting sponsors. So a huge shout out to our friends again, all of them, Fundraising Academy at National University. Thank you so very much. Also to Bloomerang, your part-time controller, American Nonprofit Academy, Nonprofit Thought Leader, Staffing Boutique, Nonprofit Nerd, and Nonprofit Tech Talk. These are the companies that have been with us, many, many of them since the very, very beginning. I shared yesterday 830 plus episodes. And uh, you know, if you missed any of them, that's okay. And if you missed any of this week's series, that's okay too. You can go back and listen to them. So scan the QR code right now, just pull out your phone and you can scan the QR on the screen to download our app. That's our latest and greatest. We're still on the broadcast platforms and also on the podcast platform. So if you're like Muhi and traveling around the world on your motorcycle, you can still listen to us in podcast form. So no excuse, no matter where you are, uh, really glad to have you. So Muhi, without further ado, uh, and I mentioned to all of you watching and listening, Muhi is a, a very prestigious fundraiser, Muhi Kwaja, MPA, CFRE, CFRM. I feel like I just said the entire alphabet, um, <laughs> but you are a fundraising academy trainer also at National University. And what I also love about you is wow. you're the co-founder of the American Muslim Community Foundation. So you bring a lot of personal experience into this. Welcome back. Thank you so much. It's really great to be here. And you make me sound way better than I actually am. So I love being on this show. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's, uh, we talk about this off camera with you. Um, it's really fascinating, the whole community foundation system in, in our country. Um, there's so many, there's several that are, you know, old, old, old practically as old as our nation. And then there's others that are new. And we really do need to get you on and talk about co-founding this this particular institution. I just think it's riveting. And I give you a lot of credit for, you know, looking at your community and deciding that this was something you were going to do, because ultimately it, it impacts all of us, whether we're in the Muslim community or not. It's just really an exciting thing to see a, you know, an affinity group marshalling their resources. So 
She um, is such a young co-founder. Like I really admire that about you, Muhi, is that um, you know, really your your passion for your faith, your passion for the community, lifting, lifting everyone within the community up and and to be, you know, such just a young and um I don't know, just eager, eager professional. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And I think one of the great things is being able to get our data into sources like Giving USA and Donor Advice Fund Research Collaborative uh, to talk about the impact that faith has on giving. Uh, And I just think it's a really great opportunity uh, with the new 2022 um, Giving USA research that came out. You know, religion is still the primary uh, vehicle. Vehicle. So, you know, yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunity um, and a lot of community foundations are focused regionally, uh, but we're one of the few that are focused nationally uh, to represent our community. But more on that at another time. Yes. Yeah, we, we've got to, we really need to explore this because it's something that I don't know enough about. And I, and I know our viewers and listeners would be super interested in it, but Today, we're really going to delve into this week-long, dare I say, re-exploration of the cause selling cycle. We talk about this a lot in snippets, but this week, we really are only talking about this whole concept. And so you can jump in and watch one or two episodes, or you can start with Monday and go all the way through on Friday. Maybe share this with your board or do some other training Um, or reframe the whole process for your development team. Um, It's really an incredible opportunity. So we've talked about phase one, talked about phase two, and today we're going to be in delving deep into step five and six, the presentation aspect, and then handling objections. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to us, Muhi, about the presentation aspect, what are you actually trying to achieve in this particular step? Yeah, definitely. And so grateful to my colleagues that were on earlier this week explaining the entire cost selling cycle um, and happy to continue that. And really what this focus is on is being able to talk to your prospects and donors about having and figuring out their need and interest and passion for your cause and really presenting to them about the mission of your organization and how that connects. And what you're really trying to do is assist them in recognizing and define that need of showing them how your cause fulfills their goals and philanthropic uh, agenda that they have. And what you're really hoping to do is inspire them to donate to your cause. Um, I think my colleague LaShonda Williams says it perfectly, and it's to help donors discover the joy of giving. Um, So when we talk about presentation, you really want to think through what is your style of communicating? Are you somebody who focuses on uh, having a very structured presentation style? Are you somebody who can be impromptu? Do you need bullet points and guide the conversation? And also thinking through what is the social style of the donor and how do they like to receive information? So it's combining a few of those different things to see 
how, again, the donor ties into the mission of your organization. One of those things that you may want to do and need discovery in some of the earlier steps in the cost selling cycle is find that attachment to the organization. What inspired the donor to give? And when you can do that, you get to focus your presentation on those things as well. So you may want to include a beneficiary story. You may want to include the impact of how their gift will make a difference. You want to connect the dots on the different programmatic areas of your nonprofit as well. One of the things that I often um, try to look into when I'm talking to donors at previous organizations like the American Red Cross or even the American Muslim Community Foundation is really looking at the overall impact the organization has because the donor's entry to the organization may be one programmatic area, but it's really good to give that overview to showcase the different ways in which the organization makes an impact. And, you know, if your donor is making an unrestricted general gift, that's always the best. But what if there's something that piques their interest that can maybe increase their giving to a specific program? You may want to bring that opportunity to the forefront to further discuss that with your donor as well. Um, so it's really great to, even in the presentation, bring up the various points that your nonprofit focuses on so that you can see what the donor maybe piques their interest as well. Yeah. Uh, and in regards to uh, a real-life application of this, um, I had met a CEO of a very popular, I won't say which one, but it's a ride share. And they got uh, bought out by another ride-sharing app. So this was back in 2020, 2020, 2021. Um, and I had a brief moment to get in front of this founder. I was at an event that they were talking at. Um, and literally, as they were leaving, I was like chasing after them. I tapped them on the shoulder and like introduced myself. Um, and I handed them over a business card and said, because of this acquisition, a donor advice fund would be really good for you to have for your future philanthropic goals. I know you don't have time right now, but I'm going to reach out and hopefully um, we can set up a time to talk. And I think that left a good impression on him because we ended up having uh, several conversations. Although he didn't choose our donor advice fund to open, he did open up a donor advice fund at another institution. He wanted to streamline his philanthropic services with his investment accounts and other things like that. But at the end of the day, he appreciated my advice um, and he wanted to learn more about our organization. And I think because of his faith and identity, um, that was a big calling to see an organization like ours uh, provide services for families across the country. Um, and when I had to make the presentation to him, uh, I was so focused on, you know, the aircraft view, right? But he really wanted the ground level view. He was asking questions like a CEO would. He was <laughs> talking to me about what are the pain points? What am I experiencing? What are the challenges? What are we doing to overcome them? And then he shared some advice in his 
startup and how it was successful from the ground level all the way to being acquired by one of those ride sharing app companies. Uh, and it was really great. And I get to talk to him once or twice a year. Uh, and I'm on his calendar regularly now. And thankfully, he's donated $50,000 a year uh, to our charity. So I think the presentation, you know, I was so focused on, okay, I'm going to cover every single aspect. And then he like paused me three slides in and he was just like, let's get straight to it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a great story. <laughs> Jared, it looks like you have a question. Well, you know, I just I just think that's a great story. We had a previous guest talk about, um, you know, she's not a fundraiser. She's a philanthropy facilitator. And in your story, you really talked about educating the donor, right? At the end, they chose not to, you know, invest their their donor advised funds within your system, but you educated them. And yet that still turned around for a pretty sizable gift, right? And so looking at it that way, for me, I've noticed in my career, like I I get so focused on closing the deal, if you will, right? And it's like, yeah. that's that's what's in line. But this really tells us in a different perspective, which I just really appreciate. You know, Mui, my my observation with you, and 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 I really appreciate you sharing the story because it seems like when you think about this presentation to the prospective donor, there's two ways to look at it. How am I going to present as the fundraiser? And then how should I present based on what the donor is saying? And in in your example of the guys like three slides in, no, do something else. You had to pivot, right? Very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> how did you feel about that? Did it kind of shake you up or or what did you do? Yeah, it definitely had me stuttering and like collecting my thoughts for a few seconds. Okay. Um, but this was through the pandemic, so it was a virtual call. Um, and I think I was able to uh, focus on exactly what he was asking. And I necessarily wasn't prepared for that. So again, going back to like structured, scripted conversation to an impromptu or guided, uh, this definitely shifted from what I originally thought of. Um, and, you know, as the founder of the organization, I definitely knew that Anton Allison was able to talk to him founder to founder. And I think that was really cool. And I appreciated his insights uh, because it gave me new perspective on the challenges that we were having. And he was able to relate challenges that we had as a nonprofit to the challenges he had as a startup uh, tech company. So it was really cool to see uh, the different connections there. and obvious and also just like something that I didn't expect as an outcome of the conversation. So again, it was like being open-minded to where the conversation could go. Um, and I think at the end of the day, he really believes in me as a nonprofit leader. And I think that's the connection that we made uh, through that about me taking a risk, making a cold introduction, just being there to then having a fruitful relationship with a donor and a philanthropist. And he's even told me about other charities that he likes and uh, examples of good fundraising and bad fundraising in his experience as well. So I've been able to talk to him about the way in which he gives, why he supports the causes, and get a better understanding of those inclinations for the missions that he cares about. 
Yeah. And I think it's really important. Like, you know, we can, we can prepare all we want to prepare. And in that moment, something could change to where it's like, okay, I prepared this whole, you know, dog and pony show. And now, nope, we're down to a five minute brass tax conversation. Um, I'm more impromptu shocker. I know, um, <laughs> as well as the bullet points, right? Like, so for me, that's my best combination. Um, but there could be someone, as you were saying, Julia, right? It's like, no, they want the very formal presentation. Right. They want right. the slides. They want the yeah. the report. Like, they want all of that. And um, so it's just really important for us to remember, regardless of how much preparation, in the moment, something could change. And we have to be so flexible and willing to be adaptable. So Muhi and Jared, I think that's like, I think that's really a great way to lead us into this next piece, because part of the flexible thinking and the the mindset are going to be objections. And talk to us about that. I mean, how hard is it for you to be like, oh, my God, this conversation's over. They hate me and they hate my concept versus I can lead through this. Like, do you ever have that moment that I call it a crisis of faith where you're just like, I screwed it up and I've lost them. Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah. You know, it's a curveball, And in real time, this situation with the CEO was definitely an objection. He was like, I don't want to hear about that. Tell me about something else. Right. And then we focused on, again, finding what it was. It wasn't a no. It wasn't, I'm not interested in this at all. It was, let's get to the brass tacks. Let's figure out what the problems are that you're facing. Um, because again, he valued the mission. He understands the vision and what we want to do. Um, and much like many of your donors, they're going to be bought into the mission. They're going to be supporting you because they believe in what you do. Uh, and what handling objections is about is overcoming potential roadblocks to get. So when you are looking at and listening for the cues and observing the situation, um, you're really offering a moment for them to um, let what you're sharing marinate with them. And oftentimes this is in real time, right? So you may be talking about the mission, you may be talking about the program, and they're receiving the message. And the psychology behind all of this as well is there may be certain words that trigger certain thoughts that, you know, it's the way in which it was said that maybe causes speculation uh, and curiosity from the donor. Yeah. Again, it's not something that's off-putting, but it's like, I want to learn more about that. So you really need to provide opportunities for your donors to talk. And what they always say about development is that it's the art and the science of fundraising, right? So you need to be listening for those cues from your donors. Mm -hmm. And I think when you give the opportunity to speak, you really, especially in these discovery meetings and when you're making the ask, you want the donor to be doing a lot of the talking. Um, It allows them the opportunity to come up with these objections that you will need to then re-clarify and restate and get a better understanding of 
you know, maybe even seeing something along the lines of, now that I've shared more information about this, does that clear up any of the questions that you have? That you get back to the level basis. Um, yeah. So what if you don't know an answer? What if somebody like asks you something and you're like, oh my God, I've just like lost this deal because I don't know the answer. How do you, how do you recommend that we navigate that? Yeah, I think that's a very common thing that happens. Somebody may not have all the information or a colleague may be better suited for talking about a specific program or the financials or something else that comes up. So, you know, having grace through the situation and saying, you know, I actually don't know the answer to that, but my colleague is better suited and let me get back to them and I'll respond to you within 48 hours. Okay. Okay. And maybe even offering, if they're really interested in it, to hear directly from your colleague. Uh, you are a relationship manager. You're not a gatekeeper, right? So you can introduce your donor to other people within your organization. Um, and that strengthens the donor's experience with the nonprofit as well. You know, give them time to talk to a volunteer manager or a service a beneficiary or the executive director or a board member. Um, you should be introducing your major gift donors to these positions and hopefully um, your colleagues are on that strategy. That's a great statement. You're a relationship manager, not a keeper. And and I feel too often, you know, like maybe we have portfolios, maybe we work in moves management and we're like, this is our donor, you know, and in reality, we know it's not like the, the donor is in alignment with the mission. And we're here again as that philanthropy facilitator. Um, I have some questions about handling objections when it comes to like, real life scenarios, right? And so there's a lot going on in life right now, right? Whether it's, um, you know, a separation, a divorce, a loss of a spouse or a partner, children going to school, you know? So like, if this is a major donor and we might have been anticipating, right, to their, their gift to increase or whatever that might be, and they're like, actually, I'm going through some, some real life, you know, scenarios, how do you navigate that? Because to me, that's something that's like, it's hard, it's harder to really like get over for me. It's more of that, like, okay, I acknowledge it. <laughs> and when would be a good time for me to come back to you? So how have you handled this? Yeah. Um, an example from a telehealth nonprofit that I served as a chief development officer at, um, the CEO, uh, or founder, sorry, the founder was a physician who uh, was OBGYN. A lot of the donors were her patients, uh, grateful patients. Um, and she knew personally that a donor was going through a divorce. And I wanted to communicate with the donor, just like to talk to them about their uh, annual giving. And she said, well, it's not a good time because they're going through a divorce. Um, and to me, you know, I wanted to still make an uh, outreach and just see if they would take a meeting. And they did. And, and learning through that process, um, the donor said, you know, uh, we are going through a divorce, but we agreed that we would still make our financial contributions and uh, sunset our donor advice fund that we have together. Oh. Uh, 
So without the curiosity and without the, yeah. uh, you know, chutzpah that I have of <laughs> <laughs> um, just reaching out and trying to talk to them more, um, we would have lost a significant annual donation that year had we not, just because of the situation. Uh, yeah. But everybody's financial situation is different, of course, yeah. right? Um, and divorces are tough, and especially financially, it can be gutting at times mm-hmm. as well. Um, but in this case, it was a great thing that they had amicably agreed to Sunset Advice Fund, um, and we were one of their top charities, so they continued to support us through that challenging time. You know, and that speaks to the assumption, wow. like not yeah. to make an assumption and to really let the donor share with you, right, where they are financially, where they are in the decision, um, and let them really tell you as opposed to coming into it with that preconceived, you know, oh, we know this about them, therefore we're making this broad assumption. They're they're not going to make a gift at this time, but that's not always the case. No, that's really interesting. I think um, for me, we, and I appreciate you sharing that story because it seems to me that since you had been building a relationship, overcoming that potential objection was a lot easier to navigate because it it was something that you could kind of pull through that cycle, right? You could right. you could say, well, I have a relationship and and I can express my concern or or you know uh, put this on pause. So yeah, really interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that as a strategy. You know, um, before we let you go, I, I've got to ask you, because this has been really an interesting aspect of our, our our nonprofit Power Week. Can you share with us what online.fundraising-academy.org can do for folks interested in learning more about the cause selling cycle process? Of course. And, you know, as we talked about, you know, each step in the cause selling cycle, Fundraising Academy has webinars on each and every one that we deep dive an hour, hour and a half on each of these different steps. So you got a small tidbit today, but there is so much more available on our website. And when you log in and register, you'll be able to see all of the free monthly webinars that we have offered in the past historically. Uh, and you will see a plethora of other tools and resources and worksheet guides and questions that you should ask donors and everything else. So it's a really great one-stop shop for you. And again, it's a free resource. So take advantage of it. um, And it really just gives you a lot of wonderful insight and information into the eight-step cost-selling cycle. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, I have been on it. I know Jared has too. It, it's truly remarkable, and it is uh, an abundant amount of information. It's not like a one-stop shop. I mean, it's something you could go to, you know, every day for a period of time, every week. I mean, it's it's always changing. Your guys are always uploading and adding new information. So, again, online.fundraising-academy.org. Um, check it out. Muhi Kwaja, wow. Now I'm, like, really impressed that you're touring national parks on a motorcycle you're like the bon vivant fundraiser that's what we're going to start to call you because that's really impressive i'm a trainer fundraising academy more 
I would say for me, more impressively, um, the co-founder of the American Muslim Community Foundation, which um, we're going to hold you to a deeper conversation about that because I think it's riveting, a national community foundation, not just uh, a community uh, you know, spe uh, specific area. So really super cool to get your insight um, with us. Again, Nonprofit Power Week, we have been supported generously by our friends at Fundraising Academy at National University, Bloomerang, your part-time controller, American Nonprofit Academy, Nonprofit Thought Leader, Staffing Boutique, Nonprofit Nerd, and Nonprofit Tech Talk. These are the folks that join Jarrett and I day in and day out to help produce more than 800 episodes of The Nonprofit Show. So Jarrett, thank you so much for joining us on this quest. It's been a lot of fun. Muhi, you really inspired me and uh, made me think about this process a little differently when we talk about handling objections in, in this presentation piece. So thank you very, very much. Thank when you for the opportunity and just really grateful to be here. One thing I love that you shared was really about, uh, you know, how, how you took the divorce story. It could have gone one way or the other. And now I will forever see that as a huge opportunity, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. so you don't know unless you have the conversation. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there were a top five donor to the work annually. So it was like, wow. I, I had a goal to hit and I was like, we got to, we got to bark yeah. up this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's loyal donors, you know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it was. Well, yeah. Sharing. Yeah. It, it, that was impressive. I I really appreciate that. Well, hey everybody, as we end every episode of the nonprofit show, we want to remind everyone to stay well. Yeah. So you can do well. We'll see you back here tomorrow, and for another episode of Nonprofit Power Week with Fundraising Academy.